when you're working full-time or even part-time on a company, um, that's not so much the case. You have to be very disciplined about how, you, how you're working and um, you know, you have to know what's efficient and what's a good use of your time when you're busy. And when you're not super busy, uh, you have to realize that there's always something you can be doing on the company. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Dylan Fontaine. We are so glad you were here today. And we are joined again by Luke Stetler and Charlie Dobler, CEO and COO of the software company Inventire. If you didn't get the chance to listen to our first episode with Luke and Charlie, pop over and give that a listen to learn more about the origin of Inventire. Today, we will hear how Luke and Charlie are integrating their beta testers, how they're using a build measure learn feedback loop to drive innovation, and their advice for other young entrepreneurs. Let's hop back in. Now, from my understanding, you've recently signed on two beta customers. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So can you tell us maybe what it's like obtaining beta customers? Because it's incredibly important um, and how that integration is going. Yeah. So the, the actual integration process has been quite um quite a process. Um, we're, we're figuring it out as we go along. Um, we didn't have a lot of guidance in terms of how to actually implement a customer onto a platform like ours. And so sometimes it feels like we don't even know what we're doing, let alone, you know, the, our customers knowing what, you know, knowing what to expect. But I do think that um, we put on a really professional um, a, pro- a very professional front and allow for um, only communication with our with our beta customers when um, when it's important and when it's vital that that we communicate with them. And the integration process that we're building out right now, um, we're working with the dealerships in order to improve it. And they know that they're beta testers. They know that they're our first two customers, and they're and they want to help. They they they're willing and they want to help. And that's really awesome for us because it's not like they're expecting a perfect product. Um, they're not expecting us to have everything figured out. Um, but once, you know, six months down the line, when we're trying to, when we're trying to get somebody to just sign on, pay the implementation fee, um, they're going to expect a perfect product. And for right now, what we really need is feedback on if somebody likes our product, um, how our functionality works, if it works, um, you know, we've been in development for six or seven months now, but, um, we've never actually deployed it to a dealership. So that's exactly what we're doing with these first two customers. And we, we were down there with, with one of them in Colorado Springs, and he went down to actually show us his inventory, um, which was super cool to see because it was the first time that I had actually been able to be in person with, with the tires that were going to be in our system that we've been building out for the last six months. And that was a really cool experience. They have like four shipping containers, all filled with tires um, that belong to their seasonal tire storage customers. And, and we're really excited to, to get those, to get those customers in our system because it's literally what we've been working towards for the last two years. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a matter of appearing professional and uh, faking it until you make it. So. Right. I mean, and it's, it's great to see that, you know, all that hard work that you've put in is finally coming to fruition. Um, 
this is one of those steps along the entrepreneurial journey where you get some excitement and you feel like, okay, I'm doing something like I'm making it. Um, this is what, what we've been working towards. And, um, and it's funny, like the saying, we're still, you're still working towards it, but it's, it's a step in the right direction and people may see you and, and you'll sign on customers and say you're an overnight success. Well, you're an overnight success, how many years in the making? Um, and we see that often, but what's important about beta customers too is how important they are uh, for your learning and your education going forward so that you can serve other customers even better than you were able to treat your betas. So Eric Rees, who wrote the book Lean Startup, talks about uh, this build, measure, learn feedback loop, which we had talked about in our last series with Ellie. And that is crucial to what you're doing at Inventire because you're doing it with software that you're able to deploy and receive feedback from your dealers. And from there, you can take it back to your development team and keep pushing iterations until you finally hit, I guess, your um, your holy grail of softwares. Um, so like, how does that feel for you guys to know that you're in a position to where you can get constant feedback and become better? Yeah, so I definitely think we're we're well integrated with that with that build, measure, learn process. And um, I think right now, over the last you know six months, we've we've all been in the the build phase. And um, now that we're that we're getting to the end of that, I know you know it's a process that you just do over and over again in order to get new and better iterations of your software. And um, right now, we're going to really focus on the measure part of it to see if. Um, if our customers like what we've built, um, if they use our functionality, and if they do like it, um, we can learn from that and really see um, what they like and what they clearly, you know, what they don't like, um, because surely there'll, there'll be things that they uh, want changed or um, a process that they want in a different way. And um, we're going to keep keep building out and keep becoming better because um, that's what you have to do to stay to stay relevant in the in the SaaS industry. And yeah, Luke, so I think ultimately our goal with, uh, with this testing is to really standardize our offerings because at the end of the day, to take advantage of those economies of scale that I was talking about earlier, we're going to need, need to make our offering as simple, easy as possible. So, you know, we can onboard people very quickly. Obviously, like with the first couple beta testers, you're going to try to tailor the offerings a little bit more uniquely to each individual customer, um, but then to really scale and to really get the ball rolling, I think, uh, you know, we need to take this information that we're learning from these first couple beta testers and be able to leverage it um, moving forward. That's great, Charlie. Thank you. So what we had talked about earlier, too, was how both of you come out of this great entrepreneurial ecosystem at Baylor and you were student entrepreneurs there and the transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship. Tell me what that transition has been like. So for me, uh, working full-time on the business, it's been difficult coming straight out of college where it's a very regimented routine that you have. So, you know, you go to class for 15, 16 hours, uh, you know exactly when you're gonna be in the school, when you're not, when you need to do your homework. And when you're working full-time or even part-time on a company, um, that's not so much the case. You have to be very disciplined about how, you, how you're how you working and um, 
you know, you have to know what's efficient and what's a good use of your time when you're busy. And when you're not super busy, uh, you have to realize that there's always something you can be doing on the company. Um, there's always work that needs to be done. And so sometimes the hardest part uh, for me can be figuring out like during a, a slow time, what can I be doing to still better the company and to improve our odds moving forward? And I think one of the one of the main struggles that that Charlie and I have had, because as mentioned before, I I work full time during the week, so so all of my um, standard business hours are taken up by by my full time job. And I think um, being the being the CEO and being the um, more strategizing um, figure in the business, I think that 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 does allow me to do. Um, better work because I am more high level, the planning, the strategizing. But I think that that has been a little bit difficult with, um, with doing it, you know, after work, after I've already worked eight hours a day, I know that, I know that working with Charlie, you know, he does a full days of work and then we try and get together and, and do some work after, you know, after business hours are over. And I think that that sometimes does take a little bit of a toll on us, um, you know, I understand why why people say that entrepreneurs have to work 100 hours a week. Um, even though I don't feel like I'm working 100 hours a week, I do feel like I'm working far beyond what it was what would normally be required for just a full time job. And I think that that does put some strain on um, the way the business does grow. But I think it's necessary. And I think the struggles that we've been through um, have only made our business stronger and better. And I'm excited to see um, how we keep working on that and keep improving on that in the future. Yeah, and Luke, we've known each other for, well, we were freshman roommates, so that's when we met originally. Um, so it's been three and a half, almost four years now. And if we didn't have that personal relationship coming into this, uh, you know, I, I don't think we would have made it to the point that we're at today. So, you know, that's a whole nother issue about mixing business and your personal life. But if you're going to start a company with someone, it's probably a good idea to know them beforehand because there's going to be a lot of stuff that you have to deal with. And if you're working with a complete stranger, it's going to make things a lot more difficult. I totally agree. And, and especially in those beginning stages when, um, when you're just like figuring it out, you know, there's no, there's no money involved. There's no huge time commitment involved. You're just, you're just sitting down and having conversations and figuring it out. And I think having a, having a friend there, um, to bounce ideas off of and stuff is, is really, really helpful. Now I will say um, it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows sometimes. And, and I think that this is, this is a situation that um, people miss a lot is that sometimes working with your friends can be a struggle. And because you, you intertwine your personal and your business relationships, you, you have to ensure that you're not allowing problems like with the business to make their way into your personal relationships. I know that at least with Charlie, us being good friends, and then with our other business partner, uh, Mason being my brother, both of those have to be separated between our business relationships and our personal relationships. Because if you allow those problems to start to start seeping into your personal relationships, it can definitely cause some major problems. And that was something that Charlie and I had experienced over the last few months is is we've had some some pretty big disagreements about about the the future of um, our time commitments to the company. But once we actually sat down and were open and honest about about exactly you know what we were feeling and how we think what each of our views are for the company moving forward, I think we were able to 
to really figure it out. But without those open and honest conversations and they're hard conversations to have, the business will eventually crumble if you ignore it. Yeah. And that, that's always really important to consider too, when you are creating your team is, well, do you want to bring on a friend? And while our friends and families may be the first people that we reach out to, to join a venture, it may need to be taken into consideration. I know when I was starting this podcast, my friends were the first ones that I reached out to. And thankfully we work really well together. Um, but it can be tough at times. So for listeners who are thinking of creating a team, we also encourage you to think about uh, the intentionality behind creating a team because initial teams make or break companies. And it requires a lot of maturity. I mean, if, if you, if you or your partner are not willing to talk about stuff, if you're not willing to have those conversations, the business partnership will not work. And, and you have to have the maturity and, and be ready for the conversations that are, are very uncomfortable. And again, like, like Dylan was saying, for everybody that, that is looking to, looking to start a business, yeah, start businesses with people you trust, but be prepared that, that you will have disagreements, you will have arguments, and you cannot let that inter, intertwine with your personal relationships. Let's take a break. We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. Let us know what some of your takeaways are by reaching out to us on our social media at Baylor Venturing Out. Follow our podcast to stay up to date. Now back to it. Building off of maturity, Luke, it's hard being a young entrepreneur. Um, Oftentimes, we're not taken seriously, and there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, Doesn't matter how mature you are. I mean, I think most of the listeners or most of the people that I can think of, I mean, we've all had lemonade stands or um, we sold seashells or beef jerky, whatever it may be at the age of four or five. Um, but when you're doing something at scale that you are, and we're really getting into the nuts and bolts of being a professional entrepreneur, we can often be perceived as green and not trusted as, uh, as much as somebody with maybe some gray hair. So tell us about your experience as a young entrepreneur and whether age or, um, or being younger has actually helped or hurt you. Yeah. When I started Durango Tire Storage, um, age was a huge factor. And, and I was, I was 15 years old at the time. And I, and I, I looked at too, which, which didn't exactly help. Um, but when I was walking up to these managers at these at these tire stores and, and dealerships, uh, most of them treated me like a joke, um, and that was that was quite unfortunate because I do think that I had an offering that um, that those locations could really take advantage of by providing an additional service to their customers. But um, looking back at it now, I'm really thankful for um, Discount Tire in Durango who really worked with me a lot. And I'm really thankful for the management team over there because they they took a chance on me, and I think I proved that um, just because I am 15 years old doesn't mean doesn't mean you can't um, you can't work with me, have a working business relationship with me. But I totally understand the hesitation because how can you trust somebody with your customers' tires in this example that are you know can be can be worth 
four or five hundred dollars a tire, and and I'm not sure I would want to take that risk take that risk either. But um, I do think that you do have to establish yourself as a business professional while creating those relationships in order to be successful. Yeah, one of the things, especially that we're taught in uh, the Baylor Pro Sales Program, is to always bring value to your customers. Dylan, I'm sure you can uh, attest to this as well. But one of the things I always come into the conversation, any conversation, um, is with the mindset that I'm going to try to bring this person value. And one good example of this is our first beta tester we signed on. Um, We actually talked with him probably a year and a half ago when we were still in our initial research phase. And I called him up, um, you know, talked with him on the phone, and then we got lunch together back back here in Colorado. And um, when I had that conversation with him, you know, we had been doing research for a long time. And so we actually knew our stuff. We had things that we could bring to this relationship that would be of value to him. And at that point, what I had to offer, what we had to offer as inventory was that information that we had been um, researching for however long. And now he signed on as a beta tester. But I think a big reason for that was because we were able to bring value to him and, you know, always, always came across as being professional, always came across as really knowing our stuff cold. And hopefully moving forward, we can bring him value and uh, establish a really solid partnership. And I think that there was another dealership that we talked to. There, there, there was the one that we signed on as our beta tester and then, and then one other dealership that we talked to a long time ago. And uh, Charlie and I actually went down and visited them um, a couple weeks ago when I was up there in Colorado. And um, we, you know, he had not responded to any of our emails. He had not responded to any of our phone calls. So we just walked into his dealership and we said, Hey, can we, can we see, I won't, I won't give his name, but um, can we see this, this guy? And the front desk lady being very disgruntled. She did not want to do it. <laughs> she did not want to go, go get him. But anyway, so, so we, she walked back there and, and next thing we know, Charlie was leaned over to me. He's like, dude, there's no way this guy's going to meet with us right now. And goes back and, and grabs him. And, and next thing we know, she's walking out with this big, tall guy. And we're like, we're like, oh my gosh, it's actually him. Uh, so we shake hands, go back to his office and we talk. And what's crazy is that, yes, we're young. Yes, we're, we're, we're just, we just graduated from college. But um, when we, we actually called this guy a long time ago. And what's crazy is that, is that he actually remembered the area code from the phone number that we called. So it was a 970 area code, which is, which is a Durango area code. And he said the reason that he remembered our area code and remembered our conversation, even though it was over a year ago, was because of how nice we were to him. How, how we asked for his advice, we asked for his help. And even though we didn't necessarily bring him value per se, um, he remembered us and now we have a, a, a working relationship with him because of the way that we treated him. And he, so we have those, those two beta testers that we already talked about. And he is, uh, has a verbal agreement with us that as long as the implementation goes well from those other dealers that, that he's actually going to sign on as well. So we have two actual testers and then one, one conditional. So that reminds me of when we talk about building trust, trust is often seen as a jar and the the top being the maximum amount of trust the top of this jar but every little thing that you do uh, 
is you're adding a marble to the jar, right? Nobody's going to trust you at first. That's the nature of, of most interactions. But as you, like you guys did, you had that one great interaction. So maybe you poured more marbles in the jar than, than just placing one, but that's important too when considering large scale B2B sales is it's okay for that first interaction not to be a huge hit, but you're make sure you're placing a marble in the jar every time. Um, something that I've heard of and I've used when handling the objection of, oh, well, you're just a kid. I've gotten out in front of it and I've said, you're right, I am just a kid or, hey, you know what? I am young, but I've been entrusted to and then whatever you've done. So for you guys, the, the rule applies hey, we know we're young. However, we've done X, Y, and Z research about the industry. And we understand that there is a desperate shortage of inventory management software for off-season tire storage. And you are in desperate need of it. Let's, let's have a conversation if it makes sense. Um, find value, build value, whatever your, um, your verbiage may be. But I would encourage other entrepreneurs to do that as well is get ahead of your age and embrace it. Actually, the fact that you're a young entrepreneur doing what you are is incredible, just like uh, Luke and Charlie. So Luke, Charlie, as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you again. Um, on the off chance that there are any uh, auto dealers or anybody who knows an auto dealer that that you would want to get in touch to uh, in touch with, excuse me, or that would be looking for maybe some more information, where could they reach you at? Yeah, the best thing to do is just to just to go to our website. And in fact, I would encourage I would encourage everybody that's listening to our podcast to just to, to this podcast just to go check out our website. It'll be um, goinventire.com. Um, I think that that we spent a lot of time on on our you know on our marketing stuff, building all that out. So it'd be really awesome to see um, to see some views, generate some views on our website. And it has all of our contact information on there for anybody listening. Um, that wants it more information, or even if you have questions for us, um, young entrepreneurs or someone who's looking for to build a professional business relationship with us, uh, that'll be the best the best place to reach us. And just send us a message um, in there, and then we'll get you in contact with um, with whoever the best the best team member. Thanks, Luke. Hey, Luke, Charlie, one last question, um, and we'll take a, a piece from both of you. If you were to give one piece of advice to a young entrepreneur, what would it be? Uh, for me, I would say people want to help you as a young entrepreneur. So if you're able to be strategic about how you approach them and how you hold yourself, um, you know, the sky's the limit. So just go out and do it. My piece of advice would be to just just maintain relationships. I think that the that's the biggest thing that I've learned from Inventire is it, it's crazy that the the two people that decided to talk to us a year and a half ago when we really had nothing nothing to offer them are two out of the three of the of the customers that we are likely going to convert into our actual customers here in the next few months. And um, even though even though we hadn't talked to them for such a long time. Um, the personal and, and business relationships were still there. And for the people who are out there willing to help you, your potential customers, um, your mentors, um, your family, your friends, um, really utilize those relationships and, and take advantage of the fact that people are out there willing to help you. And even if you, know, you haven't talked to somebody for a year, for two years, uh, reach out to them, see how they're doing. 
And um, if they're, you know, if they're out there willing to help you once, it's likely that they're going to be out there willing to help you again. Luke, Charlie, thanks again for joining us um, and sharing your experience really as a young entrepreneur and your experience with Inventire. I know our listeners are going to take a lot of value, as we talked about today, a lot of value away from what you discussed. And hopefully from your stories, we'll able to apply them to their own entrepreneurial journey. Luke, Charlie, again, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Venturing Out podcast. Again, we are passionate about serving others. We invite you to join us in service and share this podcast with somebody who may find value in what we discussed. We can't wait to have you join us next time. Thank you.